Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We'll talk about the kind of internals, the, the soul today. The focus is going to be on the soul. We've been, um, we're in a series where we're looking at how um, the Bible says you should love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And, th- and we looked at heart last week and today we're going to be looking at the soul. I'm going to read from um, First Peter, and the first letter of Peter. It doesn't mean it's the first letter he ever wrote. I'm sure he wrote lots of other letters as well but this is the first one that kind of made it into the bible and it's in chapter 3 verses 3 to 4 from the amplified version it says your adornment must not be merely external with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes but let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, one that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. I, um, first time I went to America and stayed, I stayed in a hotel in Atlanta and I woke up in the morning and I was flicking through the channels and uh, there was loads of, of like God TV programs on and I thought oh, it was before we kind of had them over here very much so I was interested. I ended up watching this one and it was, a, it was like an African American church and there was this guy who was preaching, he was really getting excited and you know shouting a lot and there was these women who were sitting all behind him and they were in the choir and everything that he was saying they were agreeing with and he was like yeah that's right, that's right and all that and he said you know what the problem is you know what the problem is the world right now and and he said the problem the problem is with the women in the world and you can see these women kind of quiet going yeah but not quite sure they should be nodding and then uh, and he says they're all bothered about looking out you know fancy on the outsides and all that kind of stuff but but it's it's what's going on in the inside that matters and they're kind of going yeah 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 and then uh, and he said it's women he says dressing themselves up he says and wearing nail polish (laughs) and all these choir women went And he kind of was missing the point because that, this passage is specifically addressed to wives, but really God's speaking to everybody here because he's saying about to all of us, it's, it's about what's on the inside that matters. Whatever the outside looks like, and people often try and dress up the outside as best we can, but it's, what, it's about being beautiful on the inside that matters and so as I say in this series as we're looking at last week we looked at loving God with our hearts today it's about the soul and we're thinking about having a soul which is the 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 Hebrew word for that is nefesh the Greek word is psyche from which we get like um, psychiatry psychology same kind of word so it's it's to do with the inner workings of your of your mind and your thoughts and your attitudes the you on the inside uh, that nobody else can really see, but sometimes comes out. The attitude, it comes out in the attitudes. It comes out in the emotions that we display. And the question then is, are you beautiful on the inside that we're going to be looking at? See, there's a prayer in the Bible that says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body, can we flick the next one on, Carl, please? Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see there from that passage that you're made like God. You're made in his image. 
because God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit is a trinity and the way that he made you distinct from all the other creation is that he made you as a three-part being who's also one person that you are body, soul, and spirit. And the great prayer that we be preserved blameless by Jesus until he returns for us. So imagine you're like those three circles. The outer one is, is the body. But you're not just a body. So you won't be permanently fulfilled and happy just by getting the needs of your body met. In fact, whenever we get the needs of our body met, however fulfilling that might be at the time, you know what the question is afterwards? What's next? So if you're aiming to only get satisfied by satisfying what your body wants, you'll always be doomed to a life of being dissatisfied. No matter how many and how much your senses are stimulated, there's always what's next. Same sort of thing. No matter how much you see, no matter what you hear, no matter how much you taste, no matter what you touch, it will never ever satisfy. But your body is how you connect to the world out there, isn't it? And the next circle is our focus for today, which is the, the soul. And this is how you imagine. This is your attitudes. This is your, the vocabulary, the meaning that you give to what happens in your world. Because two people can have the same thing happen to them and they'll have a completely different meaning for one person than it will for the other person because of the, the, the way in the, what they label it. Yeah. You know, is this the beginning or is it the end? Because if it's the beginning of something, that's exciting. If it's the end, are you going to invest anything in something if you think it's the end? We're talking about relationships, for instance. If you think it's now the end, well, what's the point in even bothering? But if you can start again, you're going to invest something into that. And so this is your, your, your mind, your emotion, your will, like it says, and your memory and all of those. But, but then the, that's not even the deepest part. See, people think in our society and talk a lot about the soul as being the deepest part of you. But the Bible would say, no, it's your spirit that matters because your spirit was made by God to connect to his spirit. In fact, your spirit only comes alive by his spirit. As, your Holy, as the Holy Spirit comes in, he brings your spirit to life. You become a spiritual person. A spiritual person isn't somebody who sits around with joysticks on top of a mountain. You know? A spiritual person has been made alive by Jesus Christ. That's when you become the real you that you were intended to be more and more as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit enlivens your spirit and enlivens your soul and changes your mind... And you're renewed by in your mind and that is going to affect your body and how you relate to the world. It's inside out. And if you've never had that happen, see the Bible talks about that being, you could call it being born again. That's how it describes it. And it talks about becoming a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. This is what it means. And if you've never had that, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a visitor today and you're kind of checking this out or you've been here for ages, you've never yet done it, I'll give you the opportunity to put up a hand. We'll give you a book, which we've got, which I've written called Work It Out, which will help you to figure out what that means for you. And I'd like you to pray and say, Jesus, yeah, I want that fresh start in that new life today. See, the problem with us is so often we focus on the externals. We, try and, we, we want the externals sorted and we think somehow that's going to deal with the internals, but it really doesn't. So, you know, I think, well, if I, get, if I just got a tan, you know, everything would be great if I, if I just, you know, or, or if I bought that new dress or, or whatever, or whatever it is. And, and there's all kinds of things that we might want to do with our bodies that might stimulate us in some way to feel better for the moment. We want to change our state by getting drunk or taking drugs or all kinds of stuff that we want to do to be able to change how we feel 
temporarily. But what we can end up doing, if we're not careful by doing that, is just messing up our bodies and our souls and our spirit even more by those choices. Just think about relationships, for an example. There's an ad for a dating agency. I hear it all the time on the radio now. This is how it goes, basically. It's like, sign up to eHarmony or whoever it is, dot com. This is what happens. It says, go online. Find the look, like the, somebody you like the look of. Meet up. Go on holiday with them. We know what holiday means. Yeah? It's not Blackpool we're talking about. It's go on holiday with them. Yeah? If all of that works out, maybe one day, who knows? Wedding bells. It doesn't sound romantic to me. That, that is not a story that, I, that conjures up a picture of love for me. I'm sorry, eHarmony, or wherever you are. It really, really doesn't. Because that's just saying, connect the externals. You know, connect bodies. Have sex. Lots of holidays with lots of people. How do they look? How does it feel? Maybe eventually have a conversation. Who knows? One day, somebody not worth marrying might just think you are. Get lucky. I don't think so. You know the way some of us used to do it in the olden days? And the way the Bible describes relationships work is that we connected in the spirit first. You know, Zoe wouldn't touch me with a barge pole until she knew that I love Jesus. And then we could connect spiritually because that's the most important part of her because she's a Christian. And so because of that, we did connect to that level and she wouldn't go any further in the relationship until that happened. And then we connected at the soul level. We, we sat and we chatted and we just grew to love one another. We found out about each other. We opened up those thoughts and feelings and attitudes to one another. Slowly over time. I can still remember the blue pig car park in Audenshaw. The, the time I first held Zoe's hand. And my hand was so sweaty doing it. It didn't last very long. <laughs> See we connected spirit. Then soul. Then bodies. We got married. We went on something called a honeymoon. And this year, a month today, actually, a month today, it will be 30 years since Alan Partridge, or whoever, that terrible wig, and his lovely wife got married. Yes, it's fantastic. Thank you, Lord. How do you love God with your soul? This inside stuff that we're talking about. As I said, that word soul, suke, psychology, psychiatry. See, psychiatry and later psychology started by looking at people. It's a disease model. Started to look at people with, in, in uh, mental asylums and people who were neurotic in various ways. That's the word that they used to, to say what's wrong with them. So we look at what's wrong with people. And for every 100 papers that you have on what's wrong with people in the history of that, you only ever get one written on what's right with people. But the Bible focuses on health. 
on healthy minds, on healthy spirits and healthy attitudes first. And there is now something, finally they're catching up, now there is something called the positive psychology movement. And it's championed by a guy um, called Professor Martin Seligman. You can follow him, you find him on TED and I've just, read, I've just been reading a book written by him. See, what he does, he says, shouldn't we examine healthy relationships? Shouldn't we look at healthy minds, find out what's going on with them, happy people, and then say, let's be more like them. Rather than let's not be like these other people, it's like let's be like these positive models. How do, we, how do we grow kids with a healthy psyche, a healthy rounded sense of themselves? And, and he's the world expert on that and he's not a believer but I've been reading this book this week and it's quite interesting. He says the best way to protect adults from depression is to help them as children to learn optimism. He actually wrote a book called Learned Optimism. It's something you can learn. You can learn to be optimistic because we learn to be pessimistic. People have learned, some of you have learned, and you're really good at it, to be pessimistic. But he says, the way to a, a, a happy life is optimism and hope. Optimism and hope. And you're thinking, oh, it's all right, we don't know about my life and all the things that have gone wrong with me. That's the problem. As I'm saying it, you nailed it. He encourages people to, to learn optimism and hope. I would think the Bible calls that something called faith. So when we look at each other, at those three circles, we're all very good. We project a person that we want the outside world to see. And then there's the person that my friends and those closest to me see. And then there's the me I see. And you think that's the real me. But you know what? That isn't the real me. Because I don't even see the real me. Because sometimes the me I think I see doesn't line up with the me that God sees. And I'm wrong then because he's right and he knows. So there's things that God says about me that sometimes I disagree with and I'm wrong. Because who's God? Who knows? Can I get a response from anybody? There's like stunned mullet faces going on all around the room here. See, we, we think we want to change the outside, but God wants to, his spirit to do something and to be able to change our souls. And that's to do with your thinking, it's to do with your attitudes, it's to do with the words that come out of your mouth. It's not the externals that count. What's going on on the inside? Do you have a bad attitude? See, a bad attitude, the problem with that is it's like a flat tire. You won't go very far until you change it. Peter wrote about jewellery and hairdos and nail varnish. It wasn't invented, but he says that this is the way the world looks, but God doesn't focus on that. He says that's superficial. God wants you to have instead a peaceful and gentle spirit, calm and self-controlled and serene, mature. That's what maturity looks like as a Christian. Would people who know you best say that's what you're becoming more and more like? Or are you negative? Are you cynical? Are you distrusting? Because you can choose. There's all kinds of things I can't choose. I look like my dad. As I get older, I look more and more like my dad. There's a picture in our house. I keep looking at it and thinking, oh, it's my dad. Then I realize it's me. <laughs> I can't change my externals, but I can change my internals. I can make a decision. I can make decisions about my, my attitude. And we, we can do it all the time. So Seligman writes, interesting study, two nuns, Sister Cecilia and Sister Marguerite. We've got pictures of 
one of them. This is we just pause on that one. They both entered the same convent in 1932. As part of the, this experiment, they didn't know they were doing an experiment, 178 other nuns around that time were going into the convent and they were asked to write a little essay about how they saw their futures as they were going into the convent. And Cecilia, she wrote things like, God has blessed me so much in my life and this year is going to be a very happy one. Now I finally get to do the next stage of the adventure. Now I eagerly look forward with, with great joy to the future. That's the kind of stuff that she wrote in her little essay. Sister Marguerite, however, wrote some negative things about the upsetting past that she'd had and her upbringing so far. And then she said, but I will now go and do my best for the duty of the order. And that was about it. There was no positive comment at all in the things that she put. Now, this was a study. They didn't know this. It was a study of two things, happiness and longevity, how long you live. Usually, it's very difficult to do a study on longevity because pe people live in different places, in different ways. They eat different food. They have different, you know, somebody might smoke and somebody might drink and somebody else might not. So how do you measure longevity? But they realized here they've got a fantastic test study because they've got all these nuns who've got the same sexual history. No STDs. They've got very much, um, you know, the same, they're going to get up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, eat the same food, go through the same kind of disciplines together for years and years from very young when they started to study them. So there was no difference in terms of their health care, their work, their social class. There was one difference that the people reading the notes could often make out really clearly, and that was optimism or pessimism. As they looked at these notes, they could look at the people like Cecilia, and she was the happiest one, they, they figured it. She was the one with the most optimism. And they could also put some people in the bottom quadrant of that in terms of pessimism and what they wrote. And they rated them according to that, and then they watched what happens. Now, Cecilia, if you can flick back one. Uh, sorry, back, go back, 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 not forward. Back, 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 there. Cecilia is now 98. She's never had a day sick. Marguerite, however had a stroke, next one, she had a stroke at 59 and died the same year. And you might think, well, that's just the look of the draw. But when they looked at the rest of the study, 178 nuns, this is what they put, we're gonna put this on, Carl. 90% of the most cheerful quarter were still alive at age 85, but only 34% of the lowest quarter were. Is this a reason for optimism, by the way? Yeah. If you wanna live longer, put a smile on your face. Later, later they carried on the study. Next one, please. 54% of the most cheerful quarter were alive at age 94. Only 11% of the least cheerful. You're choosing your life. Every single day when you choose your attitude to life. They could track no other difference in the sample except to conclude that a happy nun is a long-lived nun. <laughs> now, look what God says in Proverbs. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So which one do you usually choose? Because we all get a choice. You get a choice today. You get a choice every single day. The truth is, it really is a choice. Everybody wants, I would think, a, a long and happy, more meaningful life. But if that's going to happen, like the nuns, you have to change your habits. <laughs> it took a while. I'm on about our habits of thinking. I'm on about our habits of speaking. I'm on about our habitual attitudes. For some people here, this talk could add 20 years to your life. 
He really could. If you decide, if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it massively makes, it can make such a huge difference if we got this. It's about how, how you habitually talk, how you habitually think, the stuff that you agree with, the things that you say. See, we make habits out of complaining, out of resenting, out of feeling miserable, out of feeling sad. We hope that will attract people to us so they'll come and help. And they will for a bit. Then after a bit, they'll go, you're miserable, bye. <laughs> they will. Misery does not attract company. It's not true. It really doesn't. Faith does, optimism does, hope does. It brings people to you. See, we can't control the events that happen in our lives. And everybody here, everybody here will have gone through some things and will go something, through some stuff. I've been in ministry long enough to know there's massive ups and downs in people's lives all the time. You can't control the events that happen in your life, but you can control the person who goes through it. You can control the you that goes through what you go through. Like that deaf girl, Mandy. Could she have had some different options? Could she have made some different choices? But you know what? I love that. She said, but I've showed up. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I paused the video at that point. It didn't matter how she sang, to be honest with you. It was great that she sang so brilliantly. I just love that she showed up. Do you show up in your own life? Do you step up? Do you show up in your own life? See, we're always going to encounter hard times. You could lose a job. You could lose your health. You could lose a loved one. And on a, see, those things, do, you know, I'm, they're real and they really happen. On a lesser level, it could be that, the, oh, the church is moving. We're going to end up leaving the cinema and meeting in other places. Do you know what? Get some perspective. If, if nothing else, this bombing in Manchester, to me, has, has helped me get a bit of perspective in terms of what's really important. That's not the end of the world. In fact, I think it's a new beginning. Somebody emailed me a fantastic email and, and, and just basically said, I've been praying about this. And initially I was a bit, oh, what's going to happen? But I really think God's in it. I'm so excited about what's going to be happening and with you all the way. See, something happens and it's outside of our control and it can knock us and make us feel sad and angry. And those feelings don't just go away. We have to recognize them and deal with them. But actually the feelings don't just come from the facts. They come from what you do with the facts, the meaning that you give to the facts. Two people can go through the same thing completely differently, can't they? Like relationships. Again, as I say, somebody sees it as an end. Somebody sees it as a beginning. Who do you think the very happiest people in society are? You'd think it's the rich, young, attractive people are the most happy people. That's often what we get put. It's absolutely wrong. Seligman did a study on that too. He found that something like losing a limb doesn't necessarily make any difference to a person's happiness in the long term. In fact, 84% of quadriplegics reported being just as happy as able-bodied people. Of course, like we said, some things can really affect us, like the death of a child or a spouse. That can, that can make a big difference for years. I'm not downplaying that. But other things that we think will make us happy make hardly any difference at all. Acquisitions, high achievements. I'm talking about long-term happiness. They make no difference whatsoever. They give you a buzz at, at the moment. You might feel better for a little while, but they don't make you long-term happy. You know, the thing that we think will make us happy often is money. The most fabulously rich people in, in, in this study, in the world, the Forbes rich list, are only marginally happier than the average person. And I said that yesterday evening at the message you all do, and I had a multimillionaire agree with me immediately afterwards. 
See, money is only as important as it's important to you. You decide. People who win the lottery big are no more happy for it, on average, two years later. Most of them are down as a result of it because they just go back to who they were. Education level, race, losing a job, pay levels, physical attractiveness, even physical health doesn't necessarily matter to long-term happiness. It's how you feel about your health that matters. The question is, things are going to happen. Are you going to let life tear you down or are you going to turn up? Are you going to step up into it? Is there a way to use this to empower me, to enlighten me? What can I learn from this? This could be a defining moment. See, that girl, she had a great voice. I wonder if, every, I wonder if they'd have pressed that thing if she'd not gone through the things that she'd gone through. Because we weren't just cheering for the quality of the singing. We were, quali- we were singing for the quality of the heart and the courage. See, it's not so much what a person goes through. It's the meaning that you give to the events and the experiences and the labels that you put on them. Because you can come up with a whole new meaning dependent on what you choose on the inside. See, we think it's better to be young, but on average, older people are happier. And the older you get, the happier you get. Married people are generally happier than singles. But again, it's a choice. Men are generally more happy than, than women. But Seligman says... Probably mostly because they're kind of ignorant. (laughs) Happy people, happy people do the following things. Next one, please. This isn't in order, I'll read them. You can take a picture of it if you like. They surround themselves with other happy people. That's one of the things that they do. You make a choice about who you're with, don't you? They smile. Really, really smile, big smiles, not just, but proper smiles. They laugh. It's funny, isn't it? This doesn't cost you anything, does it? If you laugh more, you'll be happier more. Simple. They learn to bounce back from failure because it's inevitable. They're grateful for the little things. They exercise. They listen to music. They go outside. They do things with their time that they lose themselves in. That's what this flow thing is. Is there like an art or a craft thing that you do, or something you just do and then time just passes? Because if you do that, you're going to be a lot happier over the long term. They give finally. This is the one thing you can do with money that will make, a, make you a happy person long term is not to get it, it's to give it. A giver is a happy person. And Seligman is not a believer, but he says there's one factor that makes a big difference. And he says this is what he calls strongly religious people. He says they are most likely to be happy in the long term. The stronger they believe it, the better. Because of the increase of optimism, which is accounted for by their greater hope. Have you got a greater hope than other people? Anybody? Is that reflected in your comments post-election? Or around that time, by any chance? See, if your hope is in, is in Jeremy Corbyn, that's the wrong JC. <laughs> the story you choose, the words that you use, 
It's impacting the whole of your life. You can't control a large percentage of what happens in your life, but you can control quite a large percentage of what it does to you and how you feel about it and what you say. You can't control what goes on out there, but you can control what goes in here and you can control what comes out of here. You're in charge of that. Nobody else has got charge of that. It's you. It's down to you. Decisions control destiny. Decisions control what you focus on. Decisions determine what comes out of your mouth. Meanings are created by feelings. So meanings create feelings and, and meanings make feelings which make emotions. What story are you telling about your life? Is it a tragedy? I don't think so. See, we all know how to make ourselves feel sad and worried and angry and shameful and guilty and fearful. I can do that in five minutes. I could, listen, sat on my own, give me five minutes if I really wanted to, I could pack in leading this church. I could run away from my marriage and my family. I really could. I could just like, I'm not going to, but I could just so get into that and you could too. I don't want to live there. Jesus has brought me out of there. I have got optimism because I've got a greater hope. And the, the greater hope is Jesus Christ. You see, your brain isn't designed to make you happy. It's designed to keep you knowing what's going on in terms of threats around you. It's meant to send endorphins and stuff to protect you because the saber-toothed tiger might come and fight you. But the saber-toothed tiger doesn't exist anymore. It's extinct. So now it's all kinds of other stuff that you worry about instead. You get to choose. This is your superpower. So... Attitudes, thinking, words, feelings. Are you somebody, going back to that Bible reading, calm, take a breath, self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature. Spiritually mature is not about how much Bible you know. It's about what's going on in here. What have you decided right now in a moment to stand up and to ask God to transform you and give you a brand new way of thinking and a brand new vocabulary to go with it. What if today we went on a seven day neg- negativity fast? We fast all kinds of stuff, don't we? What if today you kind of decided from like, by the time you stand up in a minute, from now on for seven days until we meet again next Sunday, you're not going to say anything negative. Not one thing. If you catch yourself saying it, you go, oh, blew that. But I'm not going to be negative about it. I'm going to, I can learn something from that and I'm not going to do it again. And you're going to think and say positive things about and to other people, especially yourself. If you choose your focus, instead of thinking, oh, why is this happening to me and what's God doing, to actually thank God for something and be grateful. We can choose this all the time. When you start to count blessings, you're going to start to have a life that really counts. What if you just decided, my Facebook this week won't have a criticism, a condemnation, or a complaint on it at all. Not one. I'll stop myself before I do it. Because I don't have to put it. Because actually nobody's all that bothered. Whether I do or I don't. If you're willing to do that, to go with me on a seven-day negativity fast, don't come and complain about it in the coffee afterwards, or I'll know that you didn't, it didn't work for you. <laughs> if you're willing to give that a go, and you know you're going to need the help of God to do it, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do something in your heart, Can I encourage you, if you're able to stand, to stand with me now, and we'll pray. 
what wouldn't it wouldn't it be like if what if we were known if you were known as the person with hope and optimism that looked like faith to other people? What if you were the, the person who spoke calmly in a self-controlled way? You weren't over anxious, but you were serene and spiritually mature. What if you changed your habit? Lord, I want the happy non-habit. Put your hand on your heart. This is where the work gets done in our souls. Holy Spirit, please come and change us from the inside out. I don't want this just to be something that happens now. This is about daily practices. This is about when you wake up in the morning, throughout the day, and when it comes. There's going to be opportunities for you to be really negative this week. There'll be things that come against you, and you haven't got power over the externals, but in those moments, Lord, I pray that you give us power over the internals to be able to fight despair and to increase happiness and to live a longer, whether, whether it's longer, it's you, Lord. You ordained the days that are in, our book, in the book for us before one of them came to pass, Lord. don't know how that works. But, Lord, I pray that we'd make the most of our lives during the times that you give us by seizing every opportunity to be people of faith and expectancy and joy. Whatever's going on in the world, then the world would look at some people like us and say, wow, you're really different. And the only answer to why you're different is you must know Jesus. If you've never done that, and you've never actually given control of your body and soul to Jesus, and you know you've never really asked him to let the Holy Spirit come and and live in your spirit and change it, I'd love to give you a book that explains what it is to follow Jesus Christ. Even if there's only one person, can you stick up a hand so I can see it? We'll give you one of these books that I've written right now to be able to help you. Just stick up a hand so I can see it. Anybody here? Somebody down there, is there? Where is it? Oh yeah, down the front, there's a few people there. Yay, thank you. Can we just thank those people for being brave enough to take the hand up? The lady right at the back up there too. You can see a hand right at the very back. That's amazing. I think, yeah, somebody right at the back there. Back at the, at the very back row. Wave again so I can see you, yeah? It's you, you put your hand up. That's it, yeah? That's it. Little girl there at the back. Fantastic. Yeah, let's just worship God. Let's worship him from a heart that's so full of gratitude. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.